Chapter Fourteen of Peggy Raymond's School Days, or Old Girls and New, by Harriet Lemis Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fourteen. Enter Saint Valentine. Miss Layton, who had charge of raising money for the class scholarship, was getting a little apprehensive. She called Blanche Estbrook and some of the other prominent seniors into her room one morning before school to discuss the situation. The scholarship money is sadly behind. You didn't make nearly as much at your candy sale as the last class did. It is the largest class for several years, and it would be mortifying if we fell behind the others. Blanche Estabrook started to speak and checked herself. She knew perfectly well why there was little interest in raising money for the scholarship which each successive senior class presented to one of its members, and which entitled the recipient to a year's tuition in a local college. It was an unwritten law that the scholarship should go to the valedictorian of the class, the member having the highest average for the course. And a very general conviction that Victoria Wells would be the beneficiary had exerted a paralyzing effect on the girl's activities. If Blanche had been sure of the success of the enterprise she had inaugurated at the beginning of the year, she would have thrown herself heart and soul into raising money for the scholarship, but when it came to helping Victoria Wells to a higher education, Blanche's enthusiasm was less than lukewarm. After waiting deferentially and vainly for the class president to speak, Peggy expressed her views. "'We'll have to raise the money, of course. Couldn't we have a valentine party?' "'But Valentine's Day is so near,' Eleanor Hewitt objected. "'We haven't time to get ready.' Peggy thought differently. "'If we had three months to get ready in, we'd put off starting till there was only ten days or two weeks left.' I think things are all the more successful if you rush them through, before you have time to get tired of thinking about them. I can see that a valentine's party would give you girls a chance for plenty of fun, said Miss Leeton, looking doubtful. But how are you going to make any money? Oh, there are lots of ways, cried Peggy, and began to enumerate them. The other girls followed with suggestions, even Blanche rousing and doing her share. Miss Leeton's air of incredulity changed by degrees to conviction it seems feasible she acknowledged you had better see dr radford at once and if he approves of the idea you could call a class meeting miss estabrook and get things under way i'll see him now blanche started for the principal's office surprised to find herself so interested after all she reflected perhaps a scholarship won't go to victoria peggy raymond may come out ahead she drew an impatient sigh it was hard to wait nearly a year to know whether her conspiracy was to be a success or a failure. There was no question that Peggy's standings for the senior year were excellent, better, Blanche was inclined to believe, than Victoria's. The latter girl had hardly lived up to her reputation, for reasons which the class president understood perfectly. But on the other hand, Victoria's earlier standings might easily give her the highest average of the class. Dr. Radford was in a complacent mood that morning, and gave the desired permission at once, instead of taking twenty-four hours for reflection, as he was so often inclined to do. At the senior meeting, called directly after school, half a dozen committees were named, and preparations promptly begun. The following morning the door of the assembly room was decorated by a poster, representing a plump cupid on the point of plunging a lance, like arrow, into a fat red heart, strongly resembling a scarlet pincushion. Beneath was the announcement of a valentine party on the afternoon of February the 14th to be given by the members of the senior class. All the school was invited. Peggy's prophecy proved correct. The very brevity of the time allowed for preparation was an assurance against 
that collapse of enthusiasm which not infrequently proves fatal to more important undertakings the girls talked valentines in their waking hours and dreamed of them at night peggy scribbled doggerel rhymes on the back of history themes and spent every minute she could spare on work connected with the valentine party indeed she was almost vexed with priscilla for not allowing her to neglect her latin and amy dubois for insisted on rigid attention to french when she settled down by the library table in the evening mucilage and scissors within easy reach and with lace paper embossed pictures and hearts cut from red cardboard piled about in tempting profusion peggy was in her element though recitations progressed as usual on the fourteenth and teachers and pupils made a commendable effort to appear as though they were interested in history and mathematics and similar non-essentials the thoughts of the most staid and studious strayed to the big assembly room where the valentine party was to be given a number of seats had been removed and places made for tables the indefatigable seniors had worked until six o'clock the previous evening and each member of the class wore an i know but i won't tell expression which the young and curious found exasperating in the extreme when school closed at half-past two a few girls pinned on their hats and went home assuming an expression of careless indifference which deceived no one but the great majority of the school surged to the big oaken doors of the assembly room closed only till those members of the senior class who had been assigned as special duties could make their final preparations the crowd in the hall was showing signs of impatience when the doors at length swung open the assembly room was too large to permit of much in the way of decoration but here and there huge red paper hearts or chains of smaller ones strung against the wall gave the key to the character of the entertainment near the doors were tables on which various articles were displayed for sale on the fancy work table were a variety of devices all made with a special thought of the character of the day heart-shaped needle-books fraternized with heart-shaped handkerchief cases or watch pockets small red pincushions in the shape of hearts challenged the eye here and there and even more attractive to the swarming girls were the hand-painted valentines some of which were really artistic and beautiful despite the check which had been put on the lavishness of the freshmen where the seniors were concerned a number of the first-year girls decided that the occasion warranted ignoring the recent stringent ruling and plunged into reckless extravagance cheerfully sacrificing luncheons and car fares for days to come a table on the other side of the big doors challenged the popularity of the first for it was covered with heart-shaped candies of every description heart-shaped cookies and little cakes with the same suggestive outlines and looking with their pink frosting pretty enough to pass themselves off as valentines but there was little chance that any would serve in this exalted role for luncheon was two hours past and moreover many of the girls had practiced rigid economy on that occasion with the intention of hoarding their resources for the event of the day the little cakes and cookies disappeared with gratifying rapidity while into the pasteboard boxes which served as cash registers the pennies and nickels fell with a musical tinkle it had been sensibly decided to bid for the pennies and nickels rather than for the quarters and half dollars for there were many girls in school who found it necessary to think twice before spending as little as five cents oh look cried one of the first-year girls excitedly for out on the platform filed a band of gypsies they were extremely picturesque gypsies with their full skirts and bright-colored sashes their floating hair and bracelets of gold paper to say nothing of their tambourines the assembly now for the most part munching butterscotch or fudge mumbled approval ladies and gentlemen cried priscilla from the platform 
the last word a tactful recognition of dr radford's presence in the hall let me introduce queen clementina and her gypsy band who will tell your fortunes according to the latest discoveries in palmistry astrology and the allied sciences positively reliable ladies and gentlemen and every fortune a lucky one all for the trifling sum of a nickel five cents one price to all there are few girls who can resist the temptation to have their fortunes told when the opportunity presents itself and there was a prevailing impression that st valentine's day was a peculiarly auspicious occasion for this rite it was immediately evident that queen clementina and her band were to do a thriving business but before the pressure of custom became embarrassing attention was diverted by the removal of a curtain which veiled a mysterious structure in another part of the room as heads turned in this direction an approving murmur went up a booth had been arranged with a series of windows and at each opening stood a girl dressed to represent a postman above the windows was a neatly lettered sign united states mail peggy had put most of her time on the post office it had been a little difficult to see how this branch of the government activities was to add to the revenues of the mercenary seniors but finally it had been decided to assume that every valentine had been mailed without stamps and that two cents was due on each one delivered as chairman of the post office committee peggy had to see that a valentine was addressed to each girl in the school and she had also remembered her particular friends and others whom she suspected might be overlooked for although each valentine a girl received would cost her two cents there was ample balm for this expenditure in the tribute to her popularity to set the ball rolling peggy herself approached one of the windows any mail for miss pet margaret raymond ours at the last window down the girl replied with a business-like air which delighted the listeners peggy repeated her request at the last window down and a big pile of home-made envelopes was hastily shuffled four for miss peggy raymond came the answer and three for miss margaret dear me i didn't have an idea i'd be so well remembered peggy counted out fourteen cents and received her mail every senior had contributed a number of valentines to the post office the number assigned equaling the number of girls in school and then each was at liberty to add as many extra as she pleased addressed to girls she particularly wished to remember some had saved trouble by buying the valentines and others had made their quota Peggy's valentines were, for the most part, the handiwork of her friends, and the rhymes written on several were all significant to Peggy, though some of the group that looked over her shoulder failed to see the point. Peggy's good luck started a run on the post office and relieved the overworked gypsies. The girl postmen at the delivery windows soon learned to sympathize with Uncle Sam's workers at the holiday season. Peggy and a number of others slipped into the booth and lent their aid to the distressed distributors for while the majority of girls had only two valentines and some but one many of the popular seniors had six or seven and one girl boasted ten even postmen of larger experience would have considered the distribution of such an amount of mail matter something of an ordeal peggy slipped out of the booth after as strenuous a half-hour as she could remember and stood for a moment mopping her damp forehead with her handkerchief and making a final decision against the postal service as a permanent occupation she saw that the gypsies were still surrounded by eager groups impatient for a glimpse into the future several of the tables were taking on a denuded appearance highly gratifying to one of peggy's practical nature everywhere girls were chattering and laughing comparing their valentines and offering explanations of certain enigmatic sentiments and as peggy looked and listened with the liveliest satisfaction 
her gaze suddenly fell upon victoria wells peggy was conscious of a feeling of irritation all the year it seemed to her she had been seeing victoria wells standing about in this undecided fashion as if she knew no one and fitted nowhere peggy heaved an exasperated sigh good likeness isn't it amy held up for her inspection a red heart on which was pasted the head of an enormously fat child wearing a beatific smile underneath was printed our school sunbeam peggy's answering laugh was a little absent-minded and her first remark told the reason i wonder why some people always wait for somebody else to come along and make them enjoy themselves now look at victoria wells oh victoria said amy easily her idea of happiness is to work problems in differential calculus i wouldn't have victoria on my conscience but in spite of that advice peggy drifted in victoria's direction not many minutes later the senior who bade fair to be valedictorian seemed as lonely as if she were marooned on a desert island streams of laughing girls drifted past her to the right and left and no one had a word for victoria and victoria had a word for nobody hello victoria peggy cried divided between sympathy and a wish to shake her classmate where are your valentines i haven't been to see very likely i haven't any don't be silly peggy admonished her tartly there's at least one for everybody oh yes those said victoria wells but they're hardly worth two cents do you think peggy bit her lip her feeling of exasperation swallowed up the milder emotion well really victoria as long as we seniors are getting this up for ourselves to make money for the scholarship i hardly think we're the ones to take that stand victoria seemed to appreciate the force of this remark i suppose so she agreed with unwonted amiability victoria was not naturally an ill-tempered girl though somewhat overwhelmed by a sense of her own importance but she was sensitive enough to feel an atmosphere of hostility and for months she had been developing a bristling pugnacity which bade fair to turn her into a human hedgehog victoria would have found it difficult to have made a formal indictment of her new classmates they said nothing unkind the attitude to which she objected was something curiously elusive and yet victoria was positive she had grounds for resentment but in her heart of hearts she exculpated peggy raymond from any share in the things that made her uncomfortable peggy was different peggy's gaze followed victoria as she advanced to the post office the worst of the rush was over two or three less impatient than their mates stood at each window waiting for the valentines easily selected from the diminished piles anything for victoria wells the owner of that name inquired in her rather high-pitched voice the post-office girl counted them out one two three and peggy watching from a distance rejoiced she herself had sent victoria a valentine and it seemed that some other senior had been equally thoughtful i'm glad thought peggy repeating herself of her late vexation poor victoria she moved swiftly toward her classmate smiling her congratulations there victoria wells you can thank me for starting you off why you've a whole handful of valentines victoria returned the smile a little awkwardly and opened the topmost envelope all the envelopes had been made of wrapping paper but this was distinguished by a large seal of red wax the enclosure was a sheet of rough paper on one side of which peggy caught sight of a figure done in watercolors let's see victoria it looks as if it were clever peggy leaned forward to admire the work of art and a moment later was vainly wishing her words unsaid the figure on which her eyes rested represented an ungainly girl with an enormous swollen head 
the worst of it as peggy realized with a thrill of horror was that it actually looked like victoria unmistakably like her peggy had made no mistake in praising the work it was astonishingly well done for an amateur peggy stood staring at the grotesquely large head with the ridiculous little hat perched on one side to emphasize its abnormal size her eyes fell to the lines printed below perhaps they would say something to contradict a certain malicious cleverness in the sketch she thought the very first line however dissipated that hope you think yourself so awful wise your head has reached prodigious size but if you knew what others think of you that swollen head would shrink not very much for poetry is it stammered peggy with a desperate conviction that she must say something amy had one with a ridiculous fat baby on it let's see the others but victoria had no desire to see anything more in the way of valentines with a quick gesture she tore the unopened envelopes across and then tore them again she threw the fragments on the floor along with the crumpled wad which was all that was left of the girl with the overdeveloped head and turned on peggy a look in which a vivid imagination might have seen a keen resemblance to some hunted creature brought to bay they're at me all the time she cried trying to drive me out of this class but they can't do it i won't let them victoria wells peggy protested and laughed in spite of herself i never heard of anything so ridiculous it's all fun now if amy were sensitive about being fat but victoria had taken flight peggy watched the awkward figure making its way to the door and turned away with a sigh shaking her head but so many interesting things were happening and it was so evident that the valentine party had been a financial as well as social success that in five minutes victoria wells and her troubles were remote from peggy's thoughts end of chapter fourteen